In your program, you'll find a connection card, green and white card. I invite you to take that out now and um, uh, fill out what you like. Especially if you are a first-time, second-time person, we'd appreciate some information. And on the back, there are different ways you can communicate to us. As you're doing that, let me just remind you of some things. Uh, On the back of your program, we do have um, a ladies' night this Thursday. Where's Danielle? There she is. She must be craving burgers and fries, huh, Danielle? Okay. Uh, There's ladies' night. We got, you know, next week we have, um, well, we have a high school ministry. Also, the kings are going to be here. Now, you may not know the kings. We support this missionary couple, and they are in one of the hottest places of the world right now, uh, Turkey. They just opened up a church in, in Istanbul, and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty hot place when you think of ISIS has been moving into this city. And so um, they'll be here uh, to share with us next Sunday. Um, hey, there's a, some, somebody's bridal shower here, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's coming up. <laughs> and uh, Adult Sunday School. Adult Sunday School, it's a, it's a new series, the book of Hebrews. So uh, please consider that. Next Sunday, um, well, not next Sunday, it's Sunday, May 29th. It's a, a new series on the book of Hebrews. Okay? I have a bulletin here, that, and, and this is something for all you men, and ladies, you can just listen. Uh, Men's Fellowship Dinner, May 21st, and that is this coming Saturday. Is it this coming Saturday? Yeah. This coming Saturday, May 21st, Men's Fellowship Dinner, 5 o'clock in the social hall. Bring a friend. Come and enjoy some good food and fellowship. Um, it's, the theme for the food is international theme for those who would like to contribute a dish to share. And if you'd like to bring some food, it'd be nice if we knew what it was. Um, maybe you don't know what it is at this time, but we have a sign-up sheet in the foyer. So if you know off the top of your head, you know, this is your favorite recipe, I'm going to bring this thing. Well, I'll just put it on there so it just lets us know what's, what's coming from different people. And so we can uh, plan that way. But all men, all men your neighbors, your brother, your brother-in-law, the guy you like, that guy you don't like, just bring them, okay? That's this coming Saturday. um, We usually eat like a bunch of high schoolers. It's a lot of fun. So it's this Saturday at 5 o'clock, okay? People say, "You you you give so much pitch for the men's dinner things and you don't do things for this. I do, don't I? Well, if I don't, that's okay. All right. You know, we're continuing our series on this from, um, from hero to zero. And just to remind you why we're even doing this. Because in the Bible, you know, when we think of Bible, there's, there's, so, there's so much in the Bible that, that, can, that relates to everyday life. And so much of the Bible relates to our walk with the Lord, but also our interaction with our world. And when we talk about going from zero to hero, we're talking about... Uh, character flaws, we're talking about mistakes, we're talking about things that can cause a person to fall, to fall in, in, in who they are, their, 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 their positions, their, their areas of influence, their, their, their friendships or whatever, but they're, they're kind of like warnings. And God has these stories in the Bible to help us to understand that uh, he understands that we're, we're weak and, and we have flaws, but also that, uh, that, that he's always there also to pick us up and that uh, uh, God always gives us that third, fourth, fifth chance to, to get up and keep moving forward. 
And so today we're going to continue on, uh, continue on our series from hero to zero. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, as we look at this life, the life of, uh, of the first king of Israel, uh, we pray, Father, that your message out of the story will speak to us individually. Each one of us is in a different place. Each one of us has different things we're facing right now. Uh, but, Father, we pray that this will be a, um, a message that will be relevant to each one of us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, how many of you are dog lovers? Come on, dog lovers. Oh, my gosh, look at that. Okay, I am not a dog lover. I like dogs. I like dogs, but I am not a dog lover. Man, you know a dog lover when you see a dog lover. They do crazy things with their dogs, and a lot of their dogs do crazy stuff. You know, when I was a kid, my parents, we had a dogs, but we, but we always kept them outside. But, you know, my wife, um, she's always had dogs running around in her house growing up. And so we have dogs inside our house. We, they're outside, but lot, most of the time when we're home, they're inside the house. But because I'm not a dog lover, uh, I go through the work of training any dog we have to stay on a sheet. I put out an old sheet in, in, the, in the family room, and that, I train that dog, stay there. That, that's their safety zone. That, they're on that sheet. They're, they're, everything's cool. They're not going to get yelled at. They're going to get fed. All good things come to the dog that's on the sheet. Okay. We have um, this one dog. It's a, it's a pretty large black Labrador shepherd mix. We also have a small dog, a uh, uh, King Charles Spaniel. Both these dogs were abandoned dogs that, that, that were abandoned on, in the parks and streets, and we, we, we took them in. Um, but we have this, uh, like I said, this black Labrador, and, uh, and she's supposed to stay on the sheet. Well, she's pretty good on that, but, but after a while, after she got to, got to understand the sheet, gift, the sheet thing, she starts to sneak off because she likes to roam. Okay, and so I say, hey, get back on your sheet. Okay, it's okay, you know, get back over there. But after a while, I just kind of let my guard down. I started to kind of, we can say, compromise. Okay, I thought I'd let her roam around a little bit. She knew she's supposed to be on the sheet. She really compromised. She'd go off and just roam around, and then she'd come back to the sheet, you know, and at dinner time and stuff. Now, how is it? Now, there are mornings I will wake up and I'll open my eyes and here's this big old wet nose in my face. This dog just goes off sometimes, you know. and It's, it's, it's kind of cute, but like I said, I am not a dog lover, okay? You know, what we're talking about here is we're talking about this word compromise. How in the world did this happen? How did this dog get this freedom to run all over my house? It started a step at a time. It started with a step at a time. She knew where she's supposed to be, but a step at a time, she's getting further and further and further away from that place where she's supposed to be. There are various definitions for the word compromise, but the one that pertains to our study today reads this. Compromise, a concession of one's beliefs. A concession of one's belief. In other words, to kind of loosen up. It means to kind of stray. It means to no longer hold fast to what you once believed in. Or maybe still do, but you're just not 
taken it seriously enough. Today we're going to continue, like I said, in our series from, from Hero to Zero, and we're going to look at the life of King Saul. King Saul the Anointed. And, and this, this man was very unique. King Saul was unique because he was the very, very first king of Israel. A nation created by God for God. And when they demanded a king, when the people said, we want a king, it was a major, major decision which shifted Israel from being a nation under a theocracy where God was direct ruler over the, over the people and shifted them over to a monarchy where now they are ruled by a man. And the principal reason Israel wanted a king is one that many of us can understand. Because they said, this is what they said in 1 Samuel 9, then we will be like other nations. See, here Israel was so unique. They had God directly ruling over them. But they looked around and they said, look, they got a king and they got a king and they got a king. We want a king too. And, and you know, sometimes we're like that, aren't we? Oh, they can do that, and they can do that, and they do that. I want to do that too. That was the downfall of Israel in their decision-making here. So let's get into this. Let's get into the life of Saul, the anointed. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. And as we look at this, keep in mind the word compromise. Because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about a king of the most blessed nation in the history of mankind. And how he turned from God and led the nation down a road of compromise. 1 Samuel, chapter 10, verse 1. Verse 1 simply says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? Now, I'm going to jump all the way to chapter, uh, verse 24. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, Long live the king! You know, when you think about being the very first king or, or the king as, as people knew it, especially in those days, who was basically sovereign, he could do anything, had all power and influence. Yes, a huge amount of, of, of power, but also a huge responsibility. Let me ask you something to get us understanding the situation. Do you take responsibility serious? Think about what your responsibility is right now. Do you take it seriously? Maybe a department head at work, maybe you're a business owner, you got your own business, maybe at school or whatever, you're a team leader, a study team leader, whatever. I remember shortly before leaving for Brazil, it kind of blew me away. I, I remember just one week, it kind of just went, 
I was like, wow, I'm being sent out to a different country and culture to start something as important as a church. And it really just kind of weighed super heavy on me. And we were meeting with other new missionaries that were leaving the country. And I remember we met with a, 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 a psychologist from the mission. And he just asked us how we're feeling as before we fly off. And I told him this. I told him I feel pretty, I feel pretty over, just kind of burdened and just, just kind of stressed out a little bit about what, what I'm about to do. And he said, why in the world would you feel that? And immediately this verse came to mind. It's out of Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus said, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. You know, when I went to Brazil, I had never been a pastor before. I'd never been a a pastor, especially in Brazil. And so this is all frontier. This is all new to me. Um, it's kind of like the first time, you know, you know, when you talk about I'm not a dog lover, I don't hold babies either. And I remember the first time I was given a baby to hold. I mean, I just tightened up. You know how your muscles just kind of tighten up when you're kind of nervous? I just kind of tightened up and I held this baby, you know. Like that's all I'm thinking, oh my gosh, don't drop this child. Do not drop this baby. I was, I was I was uh, dedicating this baby to the Lord in Brazil. Don't drop this baby, you know. Um, but you know what's so interesting? Here, you guys are actually my fourth, my fourth church. So it's kind of like, oops. <laughs> like butterfingers, you know. I'm so casual with you guys. But uh, you should have seen me in Brazil. I was just a real focus, uh, just super focused and super um, just kind of going off the deep end sometimes. But why I'm sharing about this is because here Saul was the very first king of Israel, hand chosen by God, anointed by the prophet Samuel, no king before him, no precedent set. This man had the opportunity to really rule with, with spirituality and freshness. Uh, and whether or not Saul understood this, we're going to keep repeating, to, to whom much is given, much is expected. Because now we're going to get into his downfall. We're going to get into the, the, the downward spiral that this man uh, took while he was king. So what led to King Saul's downfall? And you know, when I say this word downfall, I think you may even have someone come to your mind. You guys may even have a relative or a friend who has gone through a spiritual downfall. And you can probably think, take a moment and just think in your minds and track how that took place. So here it is with King Saul. What led King Saul's downfall? And I'm going to go back to that word, compromise. You know, compromise is, is to, to kind of coin a, just kind of use a cliche, it's, it's kind of that slippery slope. Once you start to compromise, it's very easy to justify and rationalize you doing something that you know you shouldn't from that point on. And that can happen as a Christian. That we as Christians, when we start to compromise God's teaching that we understand and know, it can just go, keep on going down and down and down. And we can stray 
from the God being God in our lives. So let's look at the first thing. The first thing, the first, um, let's say, step downwards that Saul took, we could see in his impatience. Now let me set the scene for you. Saul rallied his soldiers together for battle, okay? And, and, but so did the Philistines. And when the Philistines rattled their, their soldiers together, it was, it was impressive. Let me read the description. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers. That means two guys for each chariot, probably a driver and an archer. And soldiers as numerous as sand on the seashore. And so, you know, that's a whole lot of guys. And so this army just, just came together. And Israel, the soldiers of Israel, saw this. And it terrified them. Now realize that Israel, that, there was a, it was an agrarian society. These guys were basically, a lot of them were farmers. You know, Israel was an agrarian society. And so they see all these soldiers. You see them, them set up right here. And so when Saul arrived at the time to offer the burnt offering, he, 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 you know, he couldn't do it. He had to wait for Samuel the priest. But Samuel wasn't there on time. He waited and waited and waited. And Samuel didn't show up one day, two days, three days. And his men are getting antsy. Some of his men are actually thinking about leaving and deserting because they're getting, they're getting, the, the fear is just overcoming them. And so Saul decides in his mind... Just give me the offering. I'm going to offer it up. So he takes the burnt offering. He lights up the fire. And he, boom, he puts, puts the burnt offering on the grill. And he, he offers it to God. Samuel shows up. This is what he says. 1 Samuel 13, 11. What have you done? Asked Samuel. You act foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. See, only priests, only those of the family of Levi, it was set up from, from the very beginning that only the priests, those hands chosen by the Lord, that family set aside for, the, for, for priestly functions, they were the only ones to offer the sacrifices to God. But King Saul, left, he just ignored that and went for it. He was impatient. See, the thing that makes this doubly hard, you may think, man, this is such a minuscule little thing. It isn't. Realize that the people of Israel were God's chosen people. They were created by God for God. Deuteronomy 28.9, basically what does God say? God says that you're my chosen people if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And see, that's kind of like what he tells us. That we are believers in Jesus Christ. We belong to God's family. We have, we have been converted. We have been changed. We have our new creations in Christ. But when we walk outside of God's ways, what happens? What do we lose? We basically lose blessing. We basically lose that God is not going to be walking alongside with us. It doesn't mean that you're not no longer a child of God. It doesn't mean that you don't have your salvation and everything else like that. But it does mean that you're going to be missing out on God really working in your life. And that is a, just a tremendous, wonderful thing. 
You know, the question I have to us is, is do we sometimes jump ahead of God? Think of your life. Think of your spiritual life. Think of what you do spiritually. Are there some times where you may tweak things according to, just for your advantage in the way you do something or timing? Let's think about how, do you read the Bible? Do you pray other than coming in here and having someone else pray for you? Do you ever think about sharing Jesus with someone outside? What do you think of when you meet someone and they're not a Christian? Does it ever dawn on you that there's such a thing as heaven and hell? See, these are, this, is, this is Christianity 101. But it's, 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 it has to do with how you view God's word because you know it's all in his word. So the question is, do we make little of things that are big to God? See, that's what Saul did. His impatience showed that he made little things that were big to God. Let's go on. What's his second downfall? His second downfall is that this guy just, he did not. And some of us can relate to this because I, I can relate to it. His careless words. Understand the situation. Saul's soldiers just fought a gallant battle. And God blessed them with a victory. They fought and they, they beat the Philistines on that battlefield that day. And they were victorious. But man, were they tired. They were tired. They were hungry. They were coming back to camp. And Saul was all oh, just, yeah, guys, you did it. He's all excited. Let's do this again someday. Oh, yeah. And then he makes a stupid, stupid thing. He says to all his men coming off the battlefield, Cursed be any man who eats food before evening comes, before I've avenged myself on my enemies. Basically what he's saying. Man, what didn't this feel good, guys? Yeah. No one eats. No one eats. You're hungry. You're tired. That's okay. We're tough. No one eats because we're going to just dwell on this victory. But you know what? His son wasn't there. And so Jonathan, one of the most gallant of all the soldiers, Comes back to camp, and what's he do? Wow, give me something to eat. And he eats. And everyone sees that. And so now King Saul has to have his own son killed. But the people know that, hey, hey, this is Jonathan. You can't do that, King. This is Jonathan, our most gallant warrior. And so they plead with him, they talk with him, and, they, and basically what does Saul do? He compromised again. He said, no. And it's right. It was a good compromise because it was just his word. It was a stupid, careless words. And what happened when he did that? When you do something like that, you lose credibility. And Saul lost credibility in the eyes of his, of his soldiers and the people who heard his words. You know, what, what makes up your testimony? Think about it. When people think of you, when, when you think of your family and your friends, when they think of you, what do they think of? I guarantee they're going to think of things that you've said. If you've said something that was kind of crazy, kind of out of character, kind of like really kind of something you shouldn't have said, you know, those are the things they remember. They don't remember all that good stuff. They'll remember that. 
And so that's something that we've got to be aware of. Our testimony, how people see us, how usable we are in God's, in God's kingdom for the world, a lot of it has to do with how people see us and what they hear come out of our, our mouth. Okay, so careless words. That was something that, um, that, that King Saul, uh, he fell right there. Let's continue on because it just keeps on going down. Let's look at his incomplete obedience. See, in the process of taking possession of the promised land, let's go back. Now, all of you have been in Sunday school and if you read your Bible. Remember when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and they're going to approach Canaan, the promised land. And remember, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. And so Joshua took over. Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land. And what did God tell them to do? Possess it. Possess the land. Drive out all those in Canaan. And if they won't go, you have to do battle with them. You have to do battle with them. You have to possess the land. And, you know, so here's, here is Saul. His men are fighting, not, this, not the Philistines this time, but this time they're fighting the Amalekites. And God says to Saul, he says to wipe out them all. In this battle, Saul, the king's there. This is their, this is their last hurrah. I want you to kill every living thing. I want you to kill all, all, all the, all, every human life. I want you to wipe out their, their livestock. And so in the battle, Israel, Israel did win. But Saul did not kill the king. Agog. And there were animals left alive. And so, and so Saul attacked them, Amalekites, but he, 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 he did not slaughter everything. And this is what God said to him through the prophet Samuel. 1 Samuel 15, 19. Why did you not obey the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. In other words, it wasn't me. See, this was what we can call Saul's Saul's incomplete obedience. Saul's so-called obedience was done in a very casual and incomplete way. Now, you may be thinking, my gosh, God is sure nitpicky. Yes. He is. When it came to a lot of the things with Israel, he, he is. Do you think he's nitpicky with you? When God tells you that you should be doing something a certain way, do you think he really wants you to do it that way? Or do we have a lot of liberty to do it whatever way we want to? Certainly it depends on what it is. But there are, there's instructions in God's word that God wants us to line up with. It's no different than when we're praying for our Sunday school teachers. We're hoping that our children will embrace God's word in such a way that God's principles are going to be part of their life and they're going to be able to make good decisions. Well, what happened after this? After this, God told Samuel to tell Saul something, that the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. Because of this incomplete obedience, God told Samuel to tell Saul, Saul, The process has started. The day is going to come where you will not be king over Israel. 
See, and that's a big thing because Saul had a son, Jonathan, and Jonathan naturally should have been Saul's successor. Well, let's go on here. Let's look at Saul's walk on the dark side. I, I say this walk on the dark side because it's something that, uh, that, that sometimes we do without knowing, but uh, I think Saul knew what he was doing here. Look at 1 Samuel 28, 5 through 7. 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel 28, I'm going to read and start with verse 5. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or urim or prophets. Now, do any of you know? Let me stop here a little bit. Let me digress a little bit. Urim, U-R-I-M. Any of you know what that is? Bob. Uh, in some ways, it was. What Urim referred to in this case, back in, back in that time, it referred to something that was, was, was connected with the priest, and they would put their hand on it. It could have referred to a place on their breastplate where they had the different stones representing the different tribes. It's not real clear. But the bottom line is that these were different ways in which the leaders of Israel would seek God out. And when they did... What they're saying here is that God did not reply. God did not reply. And why did he not reply? Because he looked at Saul as a, as a person of disobedience. The king was in disobedience. But let's go on here. So what does he do? Look at, look at verses, uh, let's say I said 28, let's say 1 through 5. I, let me read it again, starting with 5. Okay. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. She was a witch. The Bible refers to her as the witch of Endor. And so what we have here is Saul is turning to the occult. And he's trying to, to get an edge on the battle through the powers of the occult. So what happens here? God goes. He can, you know God can do anything he wants, right? He can work through animals. He can work through anything to get his will done. And he uses this woman, this witch of Endor, and he, he speaks to Saul and says, the fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the arch, let's see, no, excuse me. He says to Saul that today, not only Israel, but he himself will fall. So this woman predicts to Saul, you are not only going to lose in battle, but you are going to die. So what happens? Saul and his son go into battle. Jonathan and Saul, father and son, king and prince, go into the battlefield. And Jonathan is slain. And then in 1 Samuel 31, 4, it says, The fighting grew fierce around Saul. And when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. 
So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. See, the fall of the first king of Israel, think about the fall of this king, it began with a simple act of impatience. A simple act of impatience was led to careless words from a weak, spiritually, just a spiritually weak person, a king. And then choosing to do things his way, he went through the motions of obedience and they were incomplete. And then finally, the outright turning to the occult. You can see the spiral, the step-by-step downfall of this man. See, how does our life path look? Let's, let's look at your own life now. See, spiritually, God wants your life to get closer with him and go be going upwards and to becoming more like his son, Jesus Christ. But realistically, think of how your life is going spiritually. How is it? Is it, is it kind of a flat line? Is it actually inching on down in different ways? Or, or are, you, are you just kind of moving on up, wiggling your way on up? God wants you to have a, a healthy spiritual life, an abundant life, a purposeful life. And it has a lot to do with you just becoming that person that God wants you to be through his word. See, God's word is a key thing. And when, but when we know God's word and what we, if we compromise, what happens? We start going down. Look at the word. Compromise is a concession of one's belief. Maybe we need conviction. Conviction, the de- definition of conviction is a strong persuasion of one's beliefs. And maybe that's what we need to revisit. Maybe you need to, this morning... Take that position and say, God, I need to get serious about you again. I need to get serious about you again. You know, and this has nothing to do about church. Zero to do about church. Has everything to do about you and God. So maybe... Maybe this is the time for you to do that. I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. I'm going to ask you to go into prayer. and I'm, You know, because I know that in, in daily life, we can, be, we can become lazy. We can become apathetic. We can be very distracted. And we can start heading off in the wrong direction. But this is just between you and God. And so right now, I want to ask that everyone bow their head, close their eyes, and let me lead you in prayer, okay? And may the Lord just bless you and encourage you and, or, maybe even, or maybe at this time convict you in regards to what he would like you to do. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can go to your word and your word is relevant for us centuries and centuries later. Father, your truth stands on its own and it never changes. And so, Father, as we look at the life of Saul and we understand his steps of compromise and his downward spiral. Father, as your children, we, we ask you to now just kind of just evaluate our hearts and help us to see our lives in, in, in light of, of this text. And Father, if it's time for us to, to maybe slam on the brakes and, 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 and shove it into a different gear, maybe it's time for us, Father, to get serious again about you.
So Lord, I, I, I just pray that you will speak to our hearts right now. That you will just work in our lives right now. Work in our hearts and minds. And while everyone's head is bowed and, and, and eyes are shut, and, and you don't even have to raise your head. You just keep your head bowed and your eyes shut too. But if you, in your heart, are saying, Lord, I need to get serious about you again. May it start today. If that's your heart's desire, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. No one else is going to see it. I may, but no one else will. Just raise your hand. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father, as we continue to pray, Father, we thank you for our lives. We thank you for your word and how it applies to us all through the generations. Father, bless us. Help us to desire to be strong in Jesus. Help us to be strong spiritually. Help us, Father, to, to be um, people who love you and desire to know you better. So bless, bless our lives and our week now as we enter it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together for our closing song.